0: what's up, Abundant Life? How are you guys doing today? It's good to see you. I'm glad you're here. We are uh, wrapping up today a series that we started two weeks ago called Our Story, A Journey of Grace. And when we began this series, we talked about um, how Abundant Life Church is a place of grace. And what we're attempting to do in this series is to really pull back the curtain so that you guys can get a peek behind what this church and what really is important to us when we talk about the culture and the atmosphere and the vibe and, and what goes on when people walk in here, especially those who come maybe for the first time or who are relatively new to this church. And so we started by talking about how Abundant Life Church is a place of grace and we unpacked what that means. And so I encourage you if you missed that to go back And Listen to it. But in the first message, we talked about how Abundant Life Church is a place of grace where everyone is invited. Everyone is invited. I want you to think right now about those people in your life that maybe you're wondering, I wonder if they would be welcomed here. I wonder if I could invite them here. They could be people you work with. They could be people who uh, are in your own family. They could be people in your neighborhood could be people who totally disagree with you or maybe even lifestyle choices and things like that. And you wonder, would they be invited to come? Would they be invited and would they be welcome? And the answer would be yes. yes. The answer would be yes, they are invited to come. And then we talked about in week two how not only are people invited, everyone is invited, but everyone is included here. There's a big difference between being invited somewhere, and then once you show up to actually feel like you're a part, that people want you there. And so we want people, when they come, to actually feel like, wow, these are, these are good people. These are authentic people. These are real people. These are people who have issues just like I do, and, and I'm welcomed in this place. And in order for you to feel welcomed, for you to feel included, there are two strategies that we have. One of those is encouraging you to get into a small group. We highly encourage you to get into small groups. And so we have another season coming up. And so when you uh, get the opportunity to sign up, we encourage you to do that. You heard me talk about our rooted groups. These are um, especially designed to help us all grow deeper. And it's it's a a 10-week discipleship experience. And I want every person in this church to, to be exposed to that. So when you get the opportunity, I encourage you to do that. Because when you get into a small group, what it communicates to you is that I matter here. I matter. Somebody cares about me here. The other strategy is for you to get onto a ministry team. And that's so important because we need a lot of volunteers to make ministry happen. And there's lots of service opportunities in the community that we serve. And so we encourage you to get on a ministry team. Because when you do that, it communicates, I make a difference here. You see, small groups say, I matter. Ministry teams say, I make a difference, and you have something to contribute. Everybody is a 10 in some area of ministry. We encourage you to find yours and to be a part. Now, today, as we conclude this series, we're talking about how Abundant Life Church is a place where every person, every one of us, is on a journey. We're all on a journey. We're all taking this journey together. How many of you have ever been on a journey with someone that you thought that'd be a lot of fun to travel with? We just seem to hit it off. Only halfway into the trip, you realize, oh my gosh, I cannot wait until this is over. And once it was over, you thought, I I will never, ever, ever travel with those people again. Anybody have an experience like that? It's so funny because... You know, last year my wife and I went to Costa Rica, and there's a couple here in our church. He's from Costa Rica, and 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 I can tell the story because it all turned out okay. But but when I shared with them, we we're going to Costa Rica, they said, "Guess what? We're going to go to Costa Rica too." And, uh, and they already made their airfare and all this stuff. By the time I got home Sunday afternoon, he said, "Guess what? We changed our plane, our, t- our summer plans, and we got our tickets." And oh no, this is going to be horrible. This is going to be horrible. And it actually it turned out fine it turned out great it just turned out great and I'm so glad it did because delightful couple but it's just kind of weird they came up to me after the first service and, and said you know what I didn't even think about that when I was preparing this message so that tells you that it was okay because I didn't think oh, I'd never travel with them again <laughs> in my life but which we probably wouldn't but <laughs> no it was great it was really good but you know what it's like to, to take a journey and, and only to say, oh, my gosh, that was horrible. Well, the church is kind of like that because all of us is on a journey. And when you spend time together, you realize we're all just a little bit quirky, aren't we? Look at the people sitting around you. I mean, we're all just a little bit quirky, and, and you realize we're all just a little bit different. We all, you know, have different, you know, you know, things about us. But when you take this journey together, it's when you learn to grow together. And so I just want you to know that we're all on this journey, and I want to share with you today seven journey principles that I want to be sure you grasp. And it's kind of a, a summary of what we've talked about the last couple of weeks. So here's, here's journey principle number one. And I'm going to kind of go through these relatively fast. So here's number one. Keep the goal clearly in mind. You've got to keep the goal clearly in mind. What happens if you start out on a journey and you forget what the goal is? You forget where you're going. You forget the destination. What happens? Well, you know, you could end up anywhere. And a lot of times people go through life and they lose sight of the goal. I, I, I cannot drive and, and talk at the same time. I cannot drive and talk at the same time. Uh, Several years ago, when Pastor Greg Stranigan, you remember Greg, and um, we were taking a a drive over to Hillsboro to go to a like a a pastor's luncheon, and we ended up, and I was driving, and we ended up in downtown Portland. (laughs) You don't go to Hillsboro by way of downtown Portland. But we got to talking and I must have gotten off of an exit and we landed in downtown Portland. And Greg being the calm, easy, even, even more calm and easy going than I am, I guess he figgled. He must know where he's going and didn't say a word and we ended up in downtown Portland. Well, if you don't know the goal, if you don't have it clearly in mind, you could end up anywhere. What's the goal of, of this church? When I say keep the goal clearly in mind, here it is. I want you to write it down. The goal is not for people to become like us. The goal is for people to become like Jesus. It's not for people to come in here and we say, well, we hope they can become like us. Honestly, I'm not sure I want them to become like me, and I'm not sure I want them to become like you because that's not the goal. The goal is for people to become like Jesus. So don't miss the intention of spiritual growth. The intention is for all of us to more accurately reflect the character and the behavior of Jesus, not like us. And Paul tells us this in Romans 8. He says, God decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as that of the life of his son. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. Isn't that a great verse? If you, if you want to know, what should I look like? How should I act? How should I behave? Well, you don't need to look any farther than Jesus. It goes back to that old old statement. What would Jesus do? That was a great statement that came out a a ways back. So keep the goal clearly in mind. Here's number two. Everyone is in process. Everyone is in process. In other words, no one has arrived. No one has arrived. Most of us here know that that we're not nearly as loving as we should be. Most of you here, you know in your heart, you're not nearly as loving to people who are different from you as you should be. You're you're not maybe nearly as loving toward people who are closest to you as you should be. Most of you know that uh, you're not nearly as patient with people as you should be. Most of you here know that, that you um, give in to greed and, and lust and pride and, and uh, criticism and judging more than you should. Most of you here know that there's areas of your life that you don't have under control like you should. And I could go on and on and on and name all kinds of things where we know I, we fall short. And if by some chance you think that you get a, an A-plus on your spiritual checklist of all these things I've just mentioned or, and maybe others, I would encourage you to get a second opinion <laughs> and, and talk to someone else. In fact, I dare you to, to go home this afternoon uh, with the people who know you best and say, Honey, would, would you help me to see what is it about me that where I could grow? Where could I grow to become more? like Jesus. Okay? Now, I'm not asking you to do that, so, but I dare you to, to, to do that. Okay? And because all of us have room to grow. We're just, we're working in process. It's been said that people are a lot like diapers. They need changing often, and for the same reason. And, and so, we, we just, we mess up. And so, this journey is a process, and it's a long slow process. It takes a long time. If you think growth and change is instant and automatic, then, then you're fooling yourself. We know it's, it's not. It's a gradual process. That's why at Abundant Life Church, we say every person has a next step that they can take. There's not a one of you that's listening to me today that doesn't have a next step that they could take to, to grow in their life. And, and in fact, Paul tells us in Philippians that that, and, and it's good to know that, that he doesn't give up on us. He says, God is the one who began this work in you, and I'm certain that he won't stop before it's complete on the day that Christ returns. So isn't it good to know that we're in this process, then nowhere along the line will he give up on you? Isn't that good? It's good to know. Now, your next step may be to change a bad habit. Your next step could be to break free of an addiction. Maybe your next step is taking your next step of faith because you've grown too comfortable with where you are. I want you to take a moment and listen to Courtney Young's story. Courtney is one of our worship singers, fact she's on the stage today off to my left, and uh, I want you to hear her story right now.
1: Hi, my name is Courtney and this is my story. My husband and I moved to Happy Valley and began attending Abundant Life in 2012. We quickly learned that finding a new home church was key to feeling settled in a new place. Getting involved at ALC helped open doors to new friendships and feelings of belonging within our community. Abundant Life has impacted my family and I in so many amazing ways. We quickly got involved in a life group and it turned out to be such a blessing. We made many new friends who stood by our side during our long adoption process. Having the support during that really trying time gave us so much peace in the midst of chaos. After bringing my daughter home from Uganda, things became really challenging. Adjusting to caring for four kids was overwhelming and having to learn how to attach this precious child who had spent the first 18 months of her life somewhere else proved to be extremely difficult. I felt defeated, like I had failed as an adopted parent and I felt unworthy to be her mom. I found solace in attending Sunday morning service at Abundant Life. It gave me an hour of peace and a chance to quiet my soul and draw close to God. For as long as I can remember, my way of coping with things has been through music. I realized I needed an outlet, something to take my focus off the depression that was slithering up on me. I decided to audition for the ALC worship team. Doing that turned out to be such a great decision. I was warmly welcomed by all the wonderful volunteers and my heart, though still in pieces, felt slightly happier. Recently, I was invited to attend a spiritual retreat for artists in the Blue Ridge Mountains. God opened all the doors for me to be able to go. I have never felt closer to God than I did during my time at the retreat. His voice has never sounded more clear, nor his whispers more sweet. He wrapped me in his loving arms and warmed my weary soul. He swept up my doubts that had been weighing on my heart and replaced them with truths about how God sees me and how he wants me to see myself. Ever since I was a little girl, I have dreamt of becoming a songwriter, but I have never told anyone or pursued it because I viewed myself as an amateur. Through a fellow retreat-goer, God spoke these words to me. Dearest Courtney, your singing and songwriting is not a hobby. It's a full-time job. Treat it as such. It's what I've created you for. You are not an amateur. After that, the words came easily. I couldn't put the pen down. Pouring my feelings out on paper proved to be extremely therapeutic. I no longer heard the lies of the enemy that drove me down and made me think things like I wasn't good enough to be a songwriter, or I wasn't worthy of being an adopted parent. I have a deep desire stirring within me to serve God through music, to collaborate with him and be his voice for song. I can't contain this newfound joy that was so lovingly bestowed upon me. I feel like a whole new version of myself.
0: that a great story. Uh, and, uh, and at the end of the, of the message today, Courtney is going to share one of those songs that she has just recently written. And so your next step could be taking a step of faith. And stepping out into something where you haven't moved before because of fear or anxiety or lack of belief in yourself or whatever it happens to be. Here's number three. Here's journey principle number three. God accepts us just the way we are. That's journey principle number three. God accepts you. God accepts me just the way we are. And that's so good to know that there's no pre-wash needed before you come here. You don't have to get your act together before you come here. We don't want people to feel like they're not good enough to come to this church. I mean, something's wrong with a church when people feel like they can't go because they don't measure up to the people who are there. Something's wrong, and and I'm happy to say that's not the feeling here. I I think people feel like they can come, and they don't have to be perfect before they show up, although I know there are people who probably could feel that way, but that's that's why we say no perfect people are allowed in this place. God just accepts us the way we are, and that's the way you and I are to accept one another. I want you to read Romans 15, verse 7 with me. Let's read read this together. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you. Accept one another just as Christ accepted you. Here's number four. God accepts us just the way we are, but he loves us too much to let us, and you can finish that, right, to stay that way. Yeah, he, he loves you. He really does. God loves you just the way you are. He couldn't love you anymore, and he couldn't love you any less. He loves you just like you are. But he loves you way too much to let you stay that way. And so, again, we're this work in process, and, and remember, the goal is to become like Jesus, and no one in here has arrived. Nobody in here could say, I'm like Jesus, I'm like Jesus, you know, in every, in every way. You know, maybe there's glimpses every now and then, you know, but, but we all have room to grow, and so a place of grace, it's a place of growth, and God loves you just the way you are, but too much to let you stay that way. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, it says, since you have accepted circle accepted. Since you have accepted Christ Jesus as Lord, live in union with him. Circle the word live. Keep your roots deep in him. Circle the word keep. And build your lives on him. Circle the word build. And become stronger in your faith. Circle those two words, become stronger as you were taught. And be filled with thanksgiving. Circle those two words, be filled. I had you circle the words, accept it, live, keep, build, become stronger, and be filled. All of those are words that, that show forward movement. They show progression. They, they show moving from one place to the next. I mean, you're on this journey, and, and you're, you're striving, you're working, you're attempting, you're, you're making decisions, and you're growing, and, and you're continuing to move forward because that's what God wants for us. That's what he wants for you and me, to continue growing, to have this forward movement to becoming more like Jesus. Here's principle number five. God alone changes people. God alone changes people. This is a principle that I actually brought out in the first message. And I mentioned to you this verse, 1 Corinthians 3, 6, where Paul says, I planted the seed and then Apollos watered it but God made it grow. You see, God is the one who changes people, and the Holy Spirit is the agent that he uses to change people. It's not me, and it's not you. Honestly, I, I make a lousy Holy Spirit, okay? And I think you probably would make a lousy Holy Spirit too, because what happens with us many times is we feel the need to change people, And we think it's our responsibility to fix people and to get people to straighten up and to fly right. Well, that's not our job. That's God's job to do that. And once we understand that, then it takes the pressure off of us to have to change anybody. And it puts it back on the person it belongs to, and and that's God. Because what happens is, most of the time, if not all the time, Whenever I want to change somebody or I wish somebody would change, it it doesn't really come from a heart of love as much as it comes from some other impure motive. For example, sometimes the reason we want people to change is because of our own sense of pride. You'll hear somebody say something like, you know, what are people going to think? I mean, you'll you'll hear parents say this to children. What are people going to think if you act that way? What they're really concerned about is what they're going to think about us as parents. Or a spouse could say it. You know, what are people going to think at church? You know, and again, that's not motivated by love. That's, that's kind of a selfishness. What are people going to think about me or about us? Or sometimes it's impatience. I'm, I'm so tired of you messing up. Why can't you get your act together? And, and again, that's not motivated by love. That's more, I'm so impatient with you and you, I wish you could get your act together and change. And that's not a good motivation. And sometimes it's frustration. You know that guy? He so irritates me. I just wish he'd get his act together. I wish somebody would fix him. Well, you know, again, that's that's probably more motivated by frustration than it is out of a heart of love. And so, whenever you and I try to fix people, somebody actually somebody's going to get hurt. Okay? And and so it, it's, it's it's frustrating to everybody. And so it's God's job to change people. Again, like we said. Our job is cooperation with God to create the environment of love and acceptance and forgiveness and understanding because we're all on this journey in an environment of grace where God can change people through the power of his Holy Spirit. Now, some of you might be asking, what if God causes the growth to happen in people's lives, why doesn't he grow and change more people? Why doesn't he grow and change my husband? Why doesn't he grow and change my spouse, my, my wife, my kids? Well, this is journey principle number six. God meets us at our point of willingness He meets us at a point of willingness. We have to be willing to change. And and this has nothing to do with salvation. Understand that while effort has nothing to do with salvation, it has everything to do with transformation. Let me say it again. Um, Effort has nothing to do with your salvation. It has everything to do with your transformation. We have to put effort into it. At least eight times in the New Testament, this, this phrase, make every effort, is seen. Here's one of them in Second Peter where, where he says, to make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. Make every effort. To do this. So, this again shows striving on my part. If you're a teacher or if you're a coach or if you're a mentor or if you're a counselor, how many of you recognize how fruitless it is to try to help somebody change if they don't want to change? It's like impossible, right? It's, it's, almost, it's, it's basically impossible. You guys have heard the phrase, um, you can lead a horse to, to water, but you can't make him drink. You've heard that? Well, have you heard you can lead a human to knowledge, but you can't make him learn? You can't make him change. I see it all the time. And and, and so, you know, as much as we may want somebody else to change, they have to be willing to change in order for that change to take place. They have to be willing. And so here's principle number seven. We must be intentional. We must be intentional about staying connected. There has to be intentionality on the part of every Christ follower Every person who wants to become more like Jesus has to be very intentional about staying connected to Jesus because if we don't stay connected, then that's when we begin to kind of fall off and slip away and walk away and, and, and all these things. And, and Jesus tells us in John chapter 15, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me so important that we stay connected. Now, what happens is you and I have all of these habits that we develop in life, these patterns of behavior, and we wish we could change them, right? And many times, how many of you have ever wished, man, I I just wish I could wave a magic wand over my life and I would have that habit broken like right now. How many of you love that? I mean, yeah, it'd be awesome if we could do that, but it doesn't work that way. And so what happens is when over a period of time we get frustrated with that and we just resign ourselves to the fact, I guess it's always going to be that way. I'm always going to deal with this. Well, what has to happen is you and I have to disrupt the habit. We have to disrupt the pattern and we have to become very intentional about changing that. There has to be this intentionality. We've got to break the pattern. And that's what Paul's talking about in Romans chapter 6. He says, Do not let sin control the way you live. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. This has to happen on a daily basis. It's not a one-time thing. We daily give ourselves over to God. We surrender to God. Now, he says, don't let sin control you, but give yourself to God. Now, some of you might be thinking, "I I don't really want God to know what I'm thinking. I don't want God to know I'm lusting right now. I don't want God to know how angry I am right now. I don't want God to know how jealous or envious I am right now. Guess what? He already knows. He already knows. I had the unique privilege this past Friday with a small group of people of taking a tour of the air traffic control tower at Portland Airport. One of our ushers here, and he's here in this service now. Uh, He's an air traffic controller, and he's about to retire And so I got the opportunity to go up and and take a tour. And, man, this was crazy. This was a crazy, it was a great experience. I mean, on my iPhone, I'm just typing notes as much as I could because there was so many spiritual analogies to to following Jesus Christ. And and so many analogies to what I'm talking about today. So much so that I went and kind of rewrote the ending of my sermon. And so I've been learning it, you know, since then, and and one of the analogies was there's this whole idea of when they're up in this tower, they can see everything. Here's the tower. You, you've seen you've seen the uh, the tower, so you know what I'm talking about, right? And so from up there, they can see everything. I mean everything. Here's a, here's a picture that shows you know when they're up there. What do they see? What do you see? You see the planes you know, landing, and you see planes that, that can take off and all this stuff, and, but guess what? They see a whole lot more than just airplanes. What else do you see there? A parking lot, right? A parking lot. And, and, the, and we walked out onto this, this tower around this rim of it, and you can walk out, and I'm looking at the parking lot, and the first thought that came to my mind was, I wonder what they see people doing down there in the parking lot. <laughs> and, and no sooner did I think that, that that he says, you can only imagine what we see when people are dropping off their loved one or, or they're picking up one that they haven't seen them for days or weeks on end need I say anymore? <laughs> and so and so they see a lot of stuff, and I thought, oh my gosh, that's exactly the way it is with God. I mean, we think, you know, nobody's watching, nobody's looking. Next time you're tempted to do something, you know, and, and I would just say, take a minute and look up, because somebody's watching, okay? <laughs> Some, somebody's watching, and the good news is God still loves you. God still loves you even in the, in the midst of our own quirks and problems and hang-ups and bad habits and stuff like that. But, but, but God still loves us and, and, and he still has grace toward us. In fact, one of my favorite scripture verses is Romans chapter 8 verse 1. So there is therefore no condemnation to those who, are, who belong to Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. And so we need to disrupt this pattern of habits and, and we be very intentional in replacing that with something else. Because Paul says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature, they think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Spirit think about those things that please the Spirit. So we have to disrupt this thing. So you might be thinking, well, how do I do that? How do I disrupt the habits so that I can replace it to be more intentional about my relationship to God? How many of you would like to have a closer relationship with God? Raise your hand. How many of you would like to actually feel like you're making progress in your spiritual walk to where you're growing closer to Jesus? How many of you like that? Okay, I want to give you a challenge, and, and here's what it's called. It's called the 360 challenge. I want to challenge you to take the 360 challenge. This is a challenge to stay c- continuously connected to God for the next 60 days. And what I want you to do, for the next 60 days, for every 60 minutes, to take 60 seconds to stop and talk to God. Okay? Everybody say 60 days. 60. Say 60 minutes. Every, every 60 seconds. 60 seconds. If we can figure it out, we'll do okay, all right? And so for the next 60 days, every 60 minutes, take 60 seconds to just stop and just talk to God because this is what's going to happen. This is the goal, for you to stay continuously aware all throughout your day that God is with you and that he desires a relationship with you. For you to be aware of that. And then I want you to go to our website and you'll find a link where you can, you can click on a button that will say something like 360 Challenge. I'd love to hear your story, your 360 Challenge story. So, so do that, okay? But the goal is to stay continuously aware throughout the day that God's with you and he desires a relationship with you. We're up in this tower and and Bob is showing us around and talking about all the different things that air traffic control people have to do and all this stuff. And he made a statement that, again, I thought, man, that is such a parallel to our journey with Christ and with God. He made this statement. He says, the pilot is never alone. In fact, he said, "You are always, always, always in communication with someone. The pilot is never alone. They're always, always, always in communication with someone because no good pilot is ever going to take off and take a flight anywhere without being in communication with the tower that can that can direct him, right?" Well, what makes you, I think that we can go through life and not be in communication with our God who is our strong tower, who's our high tower, and that we can be in communication with him all the time, that he's always, always, always in communication with us. Never leaves us, never forsakes us, but we gotta be aware that he's there and that we can be in this communication. And so this will help you to do that. In fact, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, to trust in God with all of your heart, Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He'll direct your steps. They were so cool. Bob was talking about how, like, Portland Airport is in the worst possible place it could possibly be because of the winds coming in from the west and from the gorge, and then right by a river and all the fog. And on a foggy day, there are days where they can't even see the, 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 uh, the, the landing strip, whatever you call that thing, the tarmac, place where planes, planes land, and you, and you can't even see it. And he says, we'll fly hundreds of planes in and out of there every day and maybe never see any one of them. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? Because of the instrumentation and the technology and all this stuff that, that they, can, they can take a plane and fly them, you know, around mountains and, and through valleys and, and around storm systems and land them on the, on the landing place. What do you call that thing, Bob the runway. That's the word I'm looking for is runway. <laughs> Land them on the runway. I mean, within inches, within inches of where they want them to touch down. Now, again, if, if, if mankind can do that, then is it possible that God can direct your life and get you safely home? Sure. Yeah, he can. And some of you are thinking, but I don't know. Seven billion people on this earth. Does, does God really care about me? Does he really want to be that personally involved in my life? And the answer is yes, he does. And you think, how could God possibly be that personally involved with me? And again, there's another parallel that I saw. He showed us a radar screen. Here's a picture of this radar screen. And, and can you see all the little white dots on that? Can you guys see that? You know what those are? Those are airplanes. Airplanes. And there are, on that screen, there's about 7,000 planes that are in the air right now at that time when he was showing us that screen. And those are just the ones who are flying with the instrumentation, not counting the ones who, who aren't. And, Bob, if I'm getting this all messed up, tell me afterwards. I'll get it straight later. And, um, and, and so at any given time, there could be 10,000 planes in the air. And, and, th- and through their ability with technology and all that stuff, they keep them from flying into one another. I mean, sometimes when you're up there in a plane, you think, we're the only plane in the sky You know, maybe there's two or three others somewhere else around the world. No, at any given time, 10,000 planes flying through the air, and we don't run into each other. Is it possible that God can direct your life, one out of seven billion people, that he can direct your life and guide you and get you safely home, lead you through life? Yes, it's possible. But you and I need to know that we've got to stay in continuous contact with him. We can't afford to break contact with him. And so it really comes down to, do I trust him? Do I trust God? Am I aware that God is there, that he cares about me, that he's guiding my life, that he's directing my life? I encourage you to take the 360 challenge and let us hear your story of stopping every 60 minutes for 60 seconds for the next 60 days and just talking to God and ask him to raise your antenna, help you to see what he's doing all around you and just be aware of how he's guiding and directing your life. I'm going to ask you if you'd bow your head. And as we close out today, that you would just stop and think for just a moment. One of the greatest things God asks of you and me is that we trust him, that we would trust him, that he's in charge, that in a world that sometimes can be totally out of control, in chaos, that he cares about your life. He cares about you as an individual, as a person. And he wants to guide you. And he's big enough to do that. There's nothing so small in your life that he doesn't care. There's nothing so big that he isn't able to deal with it. And today, if if your desire is to say, God, I want to trust you in such a way that I am so fully aware of your presence every day, God, in my life, would you help me to do that starting today? Some of you today may be making a decision for the first time to follow Jesus Christ, and some of you have made a decision years ago to follow Jesus, and and that you would say, today, God, I wanna trust you in a different way. I'm gonna ask if you'd pray this prayer with me as we close out today. Father God, today, I trust you. In a world full of so many people, I know that you care about me. That you see my life. That you want to guide me and direct me. Help me to trust you. I turn my life over to you today. And I want to stay in constant communication with you. Jesus, I ask you to be my Savior and my Lord. To forgive me of my sin. I choose to follow you. And I pray this in your name. Amen.